This podcast is brought to you by Recontract, the leading software to automate your reconditioning process and streamline your entire used vehicle management process. Visit Recontract.com to learn more. That's R-E-C-O-N-T-R-A-C.com. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, February 28th, 2024. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, Apple ends its car project. Microsoft and Bosch work together on AI to make vehicles safer. And Lithia closes a deal it says will bring in $900 million in annual revenue. Plus, the conclusion of our interview with General Motors Chief Financial Officer Paul Jacobson. Talk about what the automaker is doing to prepare for more competition from China, as well as the future of its beleaguered robotaxi unit crews. We could have done better on the response to the regulators and communication with them. We're absolutely 100% committed to rebuilding the trust and the, and the credibility with the regulatory environment. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Apple is canceling a decade-long effort to build an electric car. That's according to people with knowledge of the matter who spoke with Bloomberg. They say the announcement surprised the nearly 2,000 employees working on the project, The decision was shared by COO Jeff Williams and Kevin Lynch, a vice president in charge of the effort. The two executives told staffers that the project will begin winding down and that Apple will put many employees working on the car in the artificial intelligence division. Those workers will focus on generative AI projects, an increasingly key priority for the company. Apple declined to comment. Meanwhile, another tech giant is teaming up with one of the world's largest auto suppliers on another artificial intelligence project. Microsoft and Robert Bosch are partnering to explore ways to improve vehicle safety systems using generative AI. Bosch says the technology could use vast amounts of data to train automated driving systems to better react to driving data as it's received. The supplier is betting the generative AI can lead to greater and faster innovations on the road but also in its own factories. The company is already incorporating the technology to improve its manufacturing processes. Nissan wants to commercialize a robo-taxi service around Japanese cities in 2027. The company plans to begin testing its autonomous shuttle service in downtown Yokohama in the fiscal year that starts on April 1st. Nissan's service will expand over the following two years to accepting riders in a fleet of self-driving Serena family vans. The vehicles will operate with a safety driver on board as a backup. Nissan's goal is to eventually ditch the safety driver and deliver fully autonomous or level four driving in the fiscal year that starts April 1st, 2027. That hinges on the success of initial trials and the Japanese government's progress in implementing rules of the road for fully autonomous driving. Right now, the country has no guidelines for widespread Level 4 driving on public roads. Lithium Motors has acquired Carousel Motor Group, a nine-store operation in the Midwest. Lithia estimates the deal will add $900 million in annual revenue. The acquisition comes on the heels of Lithia's recent purchase of the UK's Pendragon. 
It means Lithia has added more than $5.4 billion in annual revenue this year, before the end of the first quarter. The closing date wasn't immediately available. And in case you've been holding your breath for the last four years for a new Tesla Roadster, CEO Elon Musk says you can soon breathe easy. We'll see. Musk posted on X, formerly known as Twitter, that Tesla plans to ship its revamped Roadster electric sports car next year. Tesla had announced the Roadster at the end of 2017, with the model originally set to be launched in 2020. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, the Apple car has been scrapped. Something about this doesn't seem surprising to me. How about you? (laughs) Well, it's been a challenging project uh, from the beginning. We've seen a number of experienced auto executives go into Apple, work with their team of, uh, you know, creative software tech people and end up coming back out and doing something else. I think maybe they set their goals too high. Uh, What I'm reminded of was just last week on the Shift podcast when Pete was talking with Larry Burns. And Larry Burns, you know, was at General Motors for a long time. Basically, he says the automakers don't have the tech natives and the tech talent to reinvent the whole system and especially to create something like autonomy. And of course, by the same token, the tech companies really don't have the experience and the knowledge needed to safely make vehicles that people are going to travel in at, you know, 50, 70, 80 miles an hour. So what he really suggested is you need partnerships between the automakers and the tech companies. And that's the best way to figure out the solution should be a solution someday. It seems like it. It's obviously very, very challenging. Gotcha. Coming up, the conclusion of our interview with General Motors CFO Paul Jacobson. That's next on Daily Drive. We want to hear your voice on Daily Drive. What would you like us to talk about this week on our Weekend Drive episode of the show? What are some of the biggest industry trends or news stories you're thinking about? Send us a voicemail, text, or email, and you might hear it on the next edition of Weekend Drive. Here's how you can get in touch. Call us and leave a voicemail or text at 313-444-2774. Again, that's 313-444-2774. You can also record your voice on your smartphone and send it to dailydrive at autonews.com. That's dailydrive, one word, at autonews.com. And tune into the show this weekend. You might hear your question or comment. Managing your used inventory is not exclusive to one person or one part of the dealership. What does the communication look like between your fixed ops and variable teams? Are your vehicles getting passed from trade-in to recon with no hiccups? What is your average cycle time to get a used car ready for sale? There is a lot to keep track of all at once. Right now, you could be experiencing three major issues with your recon information causing process breakdowns. One having to manually track down data. Two, outdated information, giving you an incorrect picture of the market and process. Three, no recon visibility through the appraisal. Full insight at each step is crucial to making your used car department the most efficient and profitable it can be. Our new integration between ReconTrack and AutoVision, a vehicle acquisition market analysis platform, creates an end-to-end tool for your used car department to address these bottlenecks. With access to live appraisal information and reconditioning stats, 
you get a single view of every vehicle with all the data you need right in one place. Make more educated decisions on your used car inventory faster with all your data in one place. Visit info.recontract.com autovision for more information. That's info.recontrac.com slash A-U-T-O-V-I-S-I-O-N. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Yesterday on the show, General Motors Chief Financial Officer Paul Jacobson joined me and Automotive News GM reporter Lindsay Van Hulley to talk about the automaker's ambitious EV strategy amid slowing growth in demand. Today, in the conclusion of our interview, Jacobson talks about the company's attitude towards self-driving technology in the wake of last year's crash that temporarily shut down its robo-taxi unit, Cruise. We also talk about looming competition from China and whether GM wants tougher tariffs to stave off emerging foreign brands. Now let's uh, shift gears a bit. want to talk about uh, China and the competition coming from there. Mary Barra talked about a level playing field with China on GM's most recent earnings call. Would tariffs against Chinese brands or China-based companies operating in North America be necessary to achieve a level playing field? Well, you know, I think, you know, the, the relationship between the U.S. and China has been one that, that has been challenged in the past. And, you know, to GM's credit, I think we've been able to maintain a really, really good partnership there uh, with our joint ventures in the region uh, as well. And, uh, you know, that's something that I think we need to maintain going forward. We've got that strong partnership there and we need to make sure that we're successful because of the products that we bring to market, because of the customer loyalty that we have and the quality of the vehicles that we produce. And then just compete as hard as we can, making sure that we lower our costs and uh, make ourselves into the strongest position possible. You know, this month, uh, Mary talked about at an investor conference that, you know, GM's strength in China going forward might be in the premium or luxury space. And I'm curious kind of how the strategy in China is evolving, where GM thinks its strongest play might be. Well, you know, as, as she mentioned, you know, the premium brands are something that uh, we've had a good, strong uh, position in for a while. Uh, we've seen some early success with the Cadillac Lyric there, and uh, and that's a premium entry in that market and, and one that we think we can continue to lean into as we look to what the future is. Um, clearly, We've got a good baseline franchise. We've had some sort of short-term challenges there. As we said on our earnings call, we expect that um, the joint venture will lose money in the first quarter. Um, That's not emblematic of what we think the year is going to be like, uh, but we've had some short-term challenges we've worked through with inventory, et cetera. But, you know, I think uh, this year will look similar to last year. It's a far cry from where it is and I think where the potential is, but uh, the team is uh, committed to making sure that we continue to lean in where we're strong. I want to shift gears a bit and spend a, a few minutes talking about Cruise, just given the, the refocus there that GM is is putting together. And, you know, thinking about, you know, within the past few years and, and some of the revenue targets that, that Cruise was projecting, you know, a billion dollars in revenue by 2025, $50 billion by 2030. I'm wondering, is that still attainable or, or are there new targets being crafted? And, and is that something that, you know, more information might come out uh, around Investor Day this year? Yeah, that's a it's a fair question, Lindsay. And what I would say is, you know, we went through the exercise with the Quinn Emanuel report and the independent review of the technology. And I think uh, we learned some things, but at the same time, it, it confirmed what we, we believe, which is, 
you know, we, we could have done better on the response to the regulators and, uh, and in communication with them. We're absolutely 100% committed to rebuilding the trust and the, and the credibility with the regulatory environment. And Craig Glidden and the team that's over there now uh, has done a really, really good job of maintaining and, and improving that relationship from kind of where we were immediately after the event. So that's first and foremost. Now what we're doing is really spending our time and thinking about what does the strategy look like? I think when you look at where the public is on autonomous driving, you know, there's no doubt that sort of the reputation of the technology, and I, I don't think that's just cruise. I think that's autonomous driving. And certainly Waymo's had some challenges since our event. You know, I think the public is a little bit slower to adopt on that. So what we've really said is we've got to hit the reset button. We've got to think about what the right way to scale is. And uh, what we've said so far is that, you know, you're going to see a much narrower scope and scale. In fact, you know, prior to the events of October, we were looking at going out broadly to 15 to 20 cities and really growing wide and and fast. Now what we realize is what we, we need to rebuild that, uh, that, that credibility and rebuild that momentum that we had built in San Francisco and, and make sure that we're scaling in a narrow way before we broaden out more broadly. So the timing of, of our revenue growth, I think, is going to look different than, uh, than where we were six months ago. But we're still absolutely uh, convicted about the technology. Uh, we, we think we've created uh, a tremendous uh, intellectual property asset here. Um, I think it is one of the most complex uh, implementations of artificial intelligence and machine learning, uh, perhaps that the world has seen. And we're going to have challenges, but we're absolutely committed and dedicated to safety and rolling it out in a way that that is responsible, not only from the safety standpoint, but also from the cons- consumption of capital standpoint, and how do we make sure that uh, that we grow responsibly uh, and committed? Because the prize at the end, which is, you know, ultimately getting technology into personal vehicles and, and what that looks like for, for consumers one day, uh, is still there. And uh, we're still big believers in the technology. I'm wondering what the thinking is of the cruise board about its responsibility and its role in the unit's setbacks. Did it push too hard for revenue growth or was it maybe too trusting of Kyle Vogt's optimistic ambitions? What's the self-reflection of the board, do you think? Well, you know, I think that was the board, I think, has exercised very good uh, prudence in terms of bringing in independent reviewers to look at the situation and and make sure that it's not just leaning in on what its observations were. But, you know, what I would say, Jamie, is that those reports, you know, I think concluded what what we, we knew from the start was that, you know, there was no intent to mislead regulators. But I think, you know, when you look back on it, I think there's certainly some things that we believe we could have done differently from that standpoint. So I I don't think it's about casting aspersions or casting blame. I think it's really about understanding what broke down uh, in the communication channels and how do we work together to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And, you know, I think with with Craig there and with the team that he and Mo El Shanawi are leading at the cruise organization, I think everybody understands that that, uh, that you know we've got we've got a responsibility to make sure that uh, in the event we have another accident, it's it's done with complete transparency, no question about what was communicated when. Um, and like I said, it's it's not about intent; it's just about making sure that uh, everybody is is clearly transparent as we're working on cutting edge technology. 
Speaking of crews, that's one aspect of, of what GM has kind of talked about. You know, it's four key pillars this year, you know, crews, uh, and EVs, software and services, EVs, and, and the ICE portfolio. You know, last week there was news about, you know, GM's new bonus structure this year and kind of factoring in EVs and software and services and crews as part of salaried employees bonuses this year. I'm curious about, you know, kind of why GM made that decision and sort of what it says about, you know, the focus of the company, really the priorities that it's going to be leaning into this year. Lindsay, I wouldn't be a very good CFO if I didn't also say that's all on the foundation of profitability and hitting our numbers. So um, <laughs> that's a, that's an important qualifier there. But, you know, when we look at the organization, you know, there's there's so many things that we've got to accomplish. It really made sense to, you know, kind of look at what are those pillars of the strategy that have to work in order to achieve all the aspirational goals that we laid out back in 2021. And when you look at ICE, EV, software and services and, and autonomous technology, that really covers all of the uh, all of the growth elements as well as the margin expanding elements of what we laid out just a couple of years ago. You know, it starts with ICE. Um, that's our that's our left hand pillar, and we need to continue to execute really really well. And when you look at you know where the market has said, et cetera. Some uh, analysts have uh, have said, well, it's a dying industry; it's not worth anything. The reality is, it's the cash engine that's funding the investment for the growth uh, and the returns on capital in the in the short to intermediate term. So, continuing to invest in that, refreshing the portfolio, creating products that consumers love, um, is front and center on on what we need to do. And if you look at the portfolio where we've made the investments and the new SUVs, the new trucks, the midsize, the the Chevy Trax. These are all great products that uh, are performing um, significantly better than even the last version that we did prior to the refreshing. And uh, that shows you what we need to do. And it shows you the power of keeping that uh, that portfolio fresh because our revenue performance in the uh, in the ICE franchises has been, you know, really, really strong. And that's what's generated the cash flow that's necessary to invest in the EV, the software and the AV technology. You know, EVs are becoming even more critical now, um, as uh, as we talked about before, that um, making sure that we execute and we scale profitably is going to be really important because investors historically have believed that I make high margin or good margin ICE vehicles and I'm going to replace them with low margin EVs. That's not much of a business proposition. So as we scale, we need to continue to uh, make sure that we're improving in terms of profitability in that segment. And uh, and certainly what we've mapped out between now and, uh, and 2025, getting to mid-single digit profitability is going to be absolutely critical. Software builds the foundation for uh, a lot of revenue growth uh, and a lot of opportunities for people to customize their vehicles. And, uh, and you know, we've had some early success there with Super Cruise. It's probably not as widely disseminated as it otherwise might have been because of the chip shortage that we had a couple of years ago. But we're getting momentum back in that product. And that's one that we know customers love. And every indication is that uh, along the lines with long-term vehicle owners after the free period and second owners, third owners, et cetera, uh, is 
going to be something that uh, people are going to be very, very pleased to purchase on a subscription, et cetera, as we think about that down the road. But it also serves as the foundation for everything else with what the connected vehicle promises. And then, uh, as we've talked about, AV has a lot of potential to it, and uh, and it's something that we're going to continue to invest in. So aligning everybody's compensation with those four pillars, uh, we think is going to be the successful combination that's ultimately going to drive shareholder value for our owners. The four pillars make a lot of sense. I guess what's jarring to me, what I'm struggling with, is that a lot of people's work doesn't touch them all. I mean, if if I'm an ICE engineer, what is my role in GM meeting its EV goals? How do you wrap your head around that? Or is it, what's the thinking there? Well, you know, Jamie, for me, that's a really easy one. And one of the things that I communicate across the organization is, you know, the ICE engineer that's 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 working on pickup trucks and not EVs is funding the journey. I mean, you know, it's absolutely existential to us that we drive the cash performance in the business to be able to invest this on our own. We don't have the valuation of Tesla or Rivian or Lucid or some of the others that have been out there and been in favor among the investment community, like many before us, we've had to fund that climb on our own. And making sure that we're creating fresh products uh, is absolutely essential to the success. So, you know, one of the things that we do as a finance team is we can map every person in the organization to one of those pillars that ultimately has a direct connection into the success and the future of GM. And uh, and that's how we keep a workforce motivated. Paul Jacobson, Chief Financial Officer at General Motors, thank you so much for joining us. Jamie, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for the time. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer, as well as our own John Irwin, Hans Greimel, and John Hutter for their reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on manufacturing, tech and innovation, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for my conversation with CarPro's CEO, Matthew Phillips, who has a front row seat for how dealers are adapting to selling EVs. Roughly one third of our cars that we sold last year are green vehicles. Uh, We're also the largest Kia retailer in the nation and our five dealerships sold a little over 6% of the Kia EVs that were sold nationally last year. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we'd love to hear from you. Let us know what you think of the show and the topics we covered today. Send us an email at dailydrive at autonews.com or leave us a voicemail at 313-444-2774.